tonight, Proverbs chapter 26. Proverbs chapter 26, and we pick up in verse number 6 tonight. We've gone down through the first five verses. Going back for just a moment, I said at the very beginning that this chapter actually divides itself into two distinct parts of very unequal length. The first 12 verses has to do with the folly of a fool. And in our first message, in the first five verses, we talked about that. But then when we get over to verse number 13 and uh, through verse 16, he deals with the shame of the sluggard. And so uh, I, I don't think we'll get to that tonight. I think I'll... Uh, uh, I think I'll probably stop here after just uh, uh, three or four verses in this and then finish this thought up maybe next week. We'll see. Proverbs 26, verse number 6, a continuation of the folly of a fool. Verse 6 says, He that sendeth a message by the hand of a fool cutteth off the feet and drinketh damage. Now this is a, another way of telling us that the fool is somebody that is unfit for service. In other words, he's somebody that you can't really be trusted to complete a, a mission. I mean, to, to depend upon him would be like uh, sending the messenger out and then cutting off his legs. You know, I want you to deliver this very important lesson, but before you go, I'm going to chop your legs off. Well, that wouldn't make any sense. And, uh, you know, I guess you could say only a fool would send the fool on an important mission. And you've got to remember in those days, and I think maybe I alluded to this at the end of the last message, but in those days, Messengers were of great importance. They, you know, they didn't have a cell phone like we do, where you can just call somebody. Uh, they didn't have email. They didn't have the telegraph back then. If you wanted to convey a message, and it might be to a foreign dignitary, it might be to some foreign invader. It could, it could involve national security and a thousand and one other things. And you've got to get a message to the king of another country, let's say, or whatever the case might be, and it is extremely important that that messenger be faithful and deliver the message. The welfare of the nation could depend upon the trustworthiness of a messenger, and uh, for him to fail could bring great harm uh, to many people. So the whole point of this is we should never entrust something to someone who is unreliable. And, you, you know, we, we don't place somebody in a position of responsibility just because we like them, just because they have a good personality, or just because they can, you know, make a large contribution, or just, you know, uh, for the sake of them, uh, you know, in some way doing something for us by way of returning the favor. If we know a person doesn't have what it takes to get the job done and we give it to him anyway, we are just as responsible as that person in his failure because we helped put him there. 
You know, that'd be a, this would be a good verse for us to consider every time there's an election and before we go vote and to understand that, that whenever we put someone in that position, we vote for them, we help put them in that position, whatever they do in, in some way relates to us and the decision, you know, that we made. Now, I realize that there are times based on the, uh, <laughs> the manner in which politicians can lie to you and you think you're putting someone in there that's going to do what they said they would do, somebody that you can trust and you can be deceived and so it's not necessarily a reflection on your character. You can be wrong. But there are a lot of times that people will vote for someone without having done any research as to what they believe or, or not or, or to, as to their abilities. Uh, they'll vote for somebody uh, just based on the fact that they're either a Democrat or a Republican or whatever, and, and th they don't take into consideration even the person's track record many times. And whenever we knowingly, willingly vote some, for someone that is unqualified, someone that cannot be trusted, we are just as guilty as that person is uh, for the wrong that they do. And, and we need to give that a, a lot of thought, and we certainly need to think about the fact that we are responsible as messengers. And he's going to continue right on with this thought going to the next verse. The legs of the lame are not equal. Might have one leg longer than the other. The legs of the lame are not equal, and so is a parable in the mouth of fools. Now, this describes a lame man who has one leg that is shorter than the other. I, I had a good friend whenever I was growing up that had, uh, had that very situation and had to wear one shoe with a big old uh, sole on it that, uh, looking back, it must have been four or five uh, inches thick to make up that space. And he walked with a limp, naturally, all, all of his life. Well. If you have one leg shorter than the other, it's going to throw you off balance. It's going to cause you to limp. And then notice in the second part of this verse here, he's using that illustration to describe a fool speaking a parable. Now, as you know, a parable is a story that is designed for the purpose of imparting information. Uh, it, is a, it is a means of teaching, a way of illustrating and just as the infirmity of a lame man becomes more noticeable whenever he's trying to do something that requires agility, the fool never appears so foolish as whenever he's trying to come across as though he's really smart. And in this case, whenever he's speaking a parable. Uh, I can remember uh, up and somebody asked me this Sunday how long it's been since I've been fishing and uh, I mentioned the fact it's been either eight or nine years uh, since I've gone. But uh, I, I think about the way that, I, you know, we always fish out on those flat bottom John boats and man, I can walk around, I could walk around in those things and hop, skip, jump around in those things. And uh, I'd I, I really even hate to try that nowadays because uh, I guess one thing, getting shot in that leg, and another thing, just getting older. And, and uh, I, I notice I'm not as uh, 
uh, agile as I used to be. And uh, certainly somebody that's got one, you know, leg shorter than the other, if he tries to do something that's going to require a lot of agility, it's going to really become noticeable then. You know, he might just, in, in, in uh, just walking slowly along, you might not notice it too much. But if he tries to do something extraordinary, it's going to become noticeable. Well, sometimes what a person tries to do is inappropriate. It might be that it's inappropriate because of their character. It might be that it's inappropriate because of their lack of ability. And uh, here he's talking about the fool, and the fool trying to speak a, a parable. Somebody is trying to pretend like they know something that uh, that they don't know. And it, it'd be just a whole lot better, you know, for the fool to say, you know, I just don't know. And I'll never forget when I went to work for the highway department, and I've mentioned this uh, no telling how many times some of you have heard me say it, but the first day on the job, the resident engineer took me out to the job and uh, just took me out there basically and dumped me out the uh, right, right on the grade and because I, I went right to work and he said, now, before you get out, he said, I'll tell you one thing. If the contractor or somebody asks you something and you don't know, tell them you don't know. Don't pretend that you do. That's some of the best advice that I ever got. And I tried to follow that. It's a whole lot better to say, I don't know. You know, even as a preacher, a lot of times, and of course, uh, boy, when I was a young preacher, those first couple of years in the ministry, I thought I had to be able to answer absolutely every question there was. And after a while, I realized that some things we don't know and some things we'll never know and it's a whole lot better to say, you, you know, I just don't know. It, you know, it might be we can say, well, I need to think about that a while, or I need to pray about that a while, or it might be that you just need to say, you know, I've thought about that often, I've prayed about it, and I've got to tell you, I just don't know. And, and, and believe me, whenever I say that, I, that there are instances where people, including preachers, will get up maybe in a fellowship meeting or a conference somewhere and they'll try to pretend that they know something that they don't know and every preacher sitting out there is, is, is so aware of that and if they knew what a fool they was making out of their self they'd change the subject we had a conference several years ago this has been like 47 46, 47 years ago and we had a Bible conference and invited several preachers and this one fellow from the Kansas City area was there and I'd, I'd met him before. In fact, if I remember, I think I'd preached a revival meeting over there. Well, I, you know, you try to preach as many of them as you can and uh, you, a lot of times you don't know everything about them. And anyway, I, I invited him to be the next speaker and this guy decided some way or another that he was going to convince all of us that Jesus had long hair. Yeah, really. And, and, uh, and he, he wouldn't quit. The whole sermon is about this. 
And, and, and finally, I listened to all of it that, that, that I could stand. And I said, that's enough, brother. Just go on. And, and he said, what? He said, I'm not through yet. And I said, well, just go on. Move on to your next point or something. Because I said, you know, you know, the rest of us don't believe that. And so he just kept going. And so I literally stood up, walked up to the pulpit and said, brother, go sit down and you, you're through. And, and I, I think it's the only time I've ever had to do that. But it amazes me that he was so intent on uh, trying to convince us that Jesus had long hair. Now, you know, I've got to tell you, I don't know what Jesus looked like. And, and, and all of these pictures and things, nobody else knows exactly what he looked like. All I can say is he's altogether lovely, the Pharisees 10,000 and so forth. But I don't know exactly what he looked like. That's going to be one of the glorious surprises in heaven. And so we, we you know, even in our everyday life, we get off the subject of preaching and stuff like that. In, in our everyday life, whether you're talking to, maybe it's a relative, and it might be a relative that really, you know, at this point in their life, they, they've never received Christ as their Savior. It might be they don't have any real interest in it. And, and I'm telling you, if you try to give them the impression that you know, you know it all. You know everything in the Bible, and you're going to tell them how the calf ate the cabbage and everything. I mean, boy, you're, you're just going to hammer, hammer, hammer. You know what you're going to do? After a while you're going to create a wall of resentment and it's going to hinder you from ever being able to to reach those people because almost nobody likes a know-it-all even a know-it-all doesn't like another know-it-all because he think like think he's only one that knows it all you know so uh, it, it's going to build this wall of resentment there uh, but in the second place, you know, it, it creates confusion in the minds of people. So uh, if you don't know the meaning of a proverb or, or anything else, just say so. Verse number 8. As he that bindeth a stone in a sling, so is he that giveth honor to a fool. Now, Normally, of course, you know, a stone is laid in a sling. Now, when I was a kid growing up, we had sling shots. That's different. You know, that's a fork and stick, and you, you know, take some some strips of rubber and make a pocket for it and shoot a rock out of that. Or, or so we did shoot wire coat hangers out of it and all kinds of stuff like that, pieces of wire coat hangers. Uh, but a slingshot was uh, basically the same without the fork stick, and you just had these two thongs of, of leather or whatever. And if I, if I remember, I think Brother Fred made me a sling. I don't know whether it was after a message about David or what, but it was. It, it was, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah I was teaching he brought me a sling. Well, you, oh, with that sling, you just lay the stone there, and here, I'm. All of, all of you folks my age, you know what I'm talking about. Some of these kids, they've never, it's kind of like a top. They don't know what to claim the top is. But uh, I don't know why I brought that up. <laughs> but anyway, you get, to, you get to whirl that thing around and you let go of one of the strings. And man, I mean, you can sling that thing way out there. Now, here's the point. 
he's saying here, that's what you do in normal use. But here he's talking about somebody that would bind, that is tie the stone into the sling. That wouldn't make any sense at all. You, yeah, absolutely. You'd end up walking yourself upside the head with a rock. It, it's what would happen. I mean, it wouldn't go anywhere. And you couldn't throw it. All of your effort is wasted. And, uh, I mean, that's something no sensible person would do is just waste their effort. What are you doing? Uh, I say that, and here are these kids. What do you call those little doodads and spinners? Well, <laughs> I, I don't see a... I just don't see much excitement with those. You say, well, you're just talking about a top. What's the difference? Oh, a big difference. You could spike a top and bust another top if you. Yeah. Anybody ever do that? Sure. Yeah, well, that's the way you played the game, trying to bust the other guy's top. <laughs> Boy, that's what happens when you get old and you start reminiscing, I guess. <laughs> But you don't waste an effort that's out there slinging that sling around your head. Now notice, so is he. It's a waste of effort. So is he that giveth honor to a fool. In other words, nothing is accomplished by giving honor to somebody that is a fool. All of the fair speeches, all of the flowery phrases that you might use, the shining awards that you give to them, None of those things can, can change a fool. He is what he is. He's a fool. And regardless of what you say about him, that's what he is. A fool. Now you, 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 a pig is a pig regardless of what you do. You can take that pig and wash it and, you know, and, and uh, put a bow on that pig or put some perfume behind its ears and you can shine its its toes and everything under the sun, you know, uh, use fingernail polish and paint the toes all up, it's still a pig. It's going to get out there in the in the pig pen and waller in the in the mud. That's what pigs do. It's in their nature. And and regardless of what we what we do or what we say in regards to somebody that is a fool, it doesn't change what they are. Now, let me remind you of something. You don't have to be a master of ceremony. You don't have to make a speech. You don't even have to present somebody with a ward, an award to be guilty of giving honor to a fool. A lot of people do. Teenagers do it all the time. They're not the only ones now, but teenagers really do that in that they try to emulate somebody that is a fool. Somebody... Yeah, you know, some young girl wants to be like Lady Gaga or something. Like, what? And it is, it is amazing that some of these people out here, look, they might be great entertainers. They might be able to sing and dance and do all of those things, but that doesn't make them any less than a fool. The, the Bible says the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And you'd be amazed how many of these people that are idolized by by teenagers do not even believe that there's a God. They're absolute fools. Look, don't make a fool out of yourself by trying to emulate a fool. Because some of the biggest fools in the world are entertainers, movie stars, athletes. I'm talking about people that make millions of dollars now. And we ought to never idolize people like that. Now, you, you, you might enjoy their singing. That, that's, that's fine. 
uh, you know, it, it's whenever we think about singing ability, and I've I, I got to tell you, some of those old country folks could, uh, you know, I'm talking about George Jones and some of them, man, I tell you what, they, they can make some great gospel albums, but it doesn't mean anything, because, you know, the next week they'll be in Billy Bob's or or Mickey Gillies or someplace like that. Doesn't mean anything, but as far as their musical ability, they do a great job at it, you see. Well, I'd whole lot I'd whole lot rather honor somebody that is a school teacher, somebody that is in the service, somebody that has dedicated their life to helping others. Those are the kind of people that ought to be honored, not those people that are paid millions of dollars for doing something that helps nobody but themselves. Don't honor a fool. Verse 9, as a thorn goeth up into the hand of a drunkard, so is a parable in the mouth of fools. So we're still on this same thing about the parable and the fools. He's talking about intoxicated people and the foolish things they do. Now, the first part of this verse has been interpreted in, uh, by different writers and different preachers in two different ways. There's some that insist that it means that the drunkard takes up a thorn in his hand without any consideration for how it might hurt him or how it might injure somebody else. Others claim that he, he takes up the thorn being totally unaware of it and uh, is consequently injured by it. Now, that, that's probably the correct interpretation, but I, I, I don't know and it doesn't really matter because the point is the same in both cases. And that is that intoxicated people do foolish things. And not only is a parable in the mouth of a fool something that is useless, like he tells us in verse number 8, it's something that, that can actually injure the person because here he is with the truth of a parable. Remember, the, Jesus was the master teacher and he used parables. So here is somebody with the truth of a parable in his possession, but he's insensitive as to what the story actually implies. The danger in that is that he thinks he knows something that he doesn't. And when we think we know something and we don't, that's the thing that keeps us from learning. Because the first step in learning something is admitting that we're ignorant in admitting that we don't know it. And so if we are insensitive concerning our ignorance, we're going to assume that we we know it all and we never, ever learn anything more. You know, I think a lot of times with older Christians, uh, something sort of like that happens with them because whenever we... Whenever we first trust Christ as our Savior, we're excited about learning. Some of us, you know, that uh, we never went to Sunday school growing up, didn't know anything about it. And we, did, we just can't wait to get back to church to learn something else. But there, there comes a time that after a while, they, all of those Old Testament stories, you know, the flood and knowing the ark, you know, and Daniel in the lion's den. All of, we, we become familiar with all of those things. And so after a while, 
we just kind of assume that we've got all the basic information down, the fundamentals down, the historical outline in our mind memorized, and that we really don't need to progress beyond that. We, we, we kind of get to, we don't say it, but we kind of get the feeling we know all we need to know. And we don't. And we never do. And that's why I keep saying the best definition of backsliding is whenever we cease growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't care what stage of, of maturity you are in your Christian life. When you get to that point that you are no longer growing, it's because you're backslidden. And, and in order for us to keep growing, we've got to be sensitive to the fact that we don't know it all and it seems like sometimes the sometimes the more I study the dumber I get because you know the more you study the more you begin to realize there will be verses that maybe you've known for years some 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 verses maybe a, a pastor has preached on several times and you get to study that verse and all of a sudden the like the Holy Spirit just opens it up and all, all of a sudden you begin to, to see things that you never saw before. And that, that's what makes the Bible so exciting and so different. It is a living book. Amen. It's unlike any other book that's ever been written. Amen. Now let's cover one more verse and I think that'll be a good place to quit. The great God Wow, I, boy, we, we could just stop there and go on and on and on, couldn't we? The great God. You know that, that something good is about to be said. The great God. That's a subject everybody ought to be interested in. The great God that formed all things. Both rewardeth the fool and rewardeth transgressors. Now, that word rewardeth is, is, is not, you know, we think of getting a reward and there is a reward by way of a remuneration for something that we've done, something that we have achieved and we profit in some way from that. But this word reward is used in the sense of accountability. Uh, uh, you know, uh, the reward can be a punishment in other words. And that's the point I'm trying to make here. And, and, and what he's wanting us to understand that whether a person is a fool or a transgressor, whichever the case, and there's a difference there, uh, he is accountable to God. It's absolutely folly for us to think that we can live as we please and then never have to give an account to God for it. And yet that's exactly the way a lot of people are living. They just live like, oh, you know, oh, well, I, I'll never have to answer to God for this. Well, they don't know how wrong they are. Now, notice he's speaking about two different people here. He's talking about the fool. He has his reward. And then there is the transgressor. Now, the fool is somebody that sins out of ignorance, whereas the transgressor is somebody that, that sins against knowledge. In other words, he knowingly violates the law or the rule. That that word transgression is a is a word that would uh, would 
describes somebody jumping the fence, somebody exceeding the boundary, getting on property that has been posted. You know, talk about trespassing, and they're somewhere they shouldn't be. And a transgressor is somebody that violates the boundary of God's law. And uh, we, we do that knowingly. And there's a price to pay for that. Somebody says, oh, well, you know, I just didn't know, though. But let me tell you, that's not going to fly whenever you stand before the Lord, you know, and say, well, Lord, I, I'm sorry I did this or that, but I was a fool. I didn't know. I, I was just, you know, I was a fool. I, I was limited. Because, look, we're going to be judged on the base of, basis of what we could have known, not just what we know. And, I, and as I look out there tonight, I don't see anyone, I'll bet you anything, I don't see anybody here that doesn't have a copy of this book in their home or in their hand. Somewhere you've got a Bible. And you say, well, I, I just didn't know that was there. Well, whose fault is that? I mean, by the grace of God, He made His Word available to you. Amen. And you are responsible to find out what it says. Uh, that's part of the responsibility. It's kind of like, you know, going down the highway, driving 100 miles an hour, and the cops stop you, and, and he said, uh, you, you were speeding. You Oh, really? You, you mean there's a speed limit? Oh, yeah. Well, we have speed limits in Texas. Yeah, we really do. Well, I didn't know that. <laughs> Look, whenever you got the right to drive, by virtue of that getting that license, you were obligating yourself to acquire the knowledge that's necessary to drive lawfully. And I, there's not a cop anywhere going to say, well, bless your heart. I, I'm, I'm so sorry you never read that book. I tell you what, I'm just going to let you go this time. No, you're going to get a ticket. And let me tell you, the, the Bible makes it clear that we are all accountable to God. Now, and I'm not going to get off into this, but you've heard me say, and you know that the Bible teaches different degrees of punishment in hell. And some people are so worried about the heathen over there in the dark jungles, you know, and they've never had a Bible. And, well, in the first place, whose fault is that? It's not God's fault. It's our fault if we didn't get the Word of God to them. But in the second place, look, we are all accountable to God, and He is going to judge us on the basis of the light that we have received. And, and, and th this is all God's business, but I know this, that over in Romans chapter number 1, it says, Whenever they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. And right when He said that, just before that, He talked about the testimony of creation that the visible things of this world testifies as to the invisible things. And if people will pursue the light that they have, I believe God will give them more light. You see? So, there, there's no way that we can escape our accountability to God. That's why I brought all of that up. We can't get out of it just because we're a fool. And I'm telling you, if we are a transgressor, if we're someone that is violating God's law willingly, knowingly, uh, it's just going to be that much worse for us by way 
of the payday that's going to come someday. Well, I think we'll just stop there tonight. And we've got another verse left in this section, and I'm going to save that, and then and then we're going to get into the the part of the chapter about the sluggard and, and wrap up that chapter. Anybody have a word, a comment, or uh, anything, Brother Rick? I've often thought also, you know, as you talk about being accountable, we're also accountable for the messages and the Sunday school classes and the things like that that we could have been asked that we didn't take, we didn't avail ourselves. That's exactly right. That's a good point. That is exactly right. And the, the amazing thing over the years I've noticed, that, and this has happened, I can't tell you how many times somebody will uh, will and it might be you know they're going through some horrible struggle or difficulty in their life and they're not there that week and that'll be the very service that yeah. that it was just everything was just what they needed and and look it might be that they couldn't be there even but for for whatever reason they wasn't there and they missed it and let me tell you, there's no way to ever go back and to recapture that. But Rick made a great point there. Avail yourself of every opportunity you have to learn God's Word. All right, anybody else? And then all minds clear. Let's all stand. We're going we're gonna to have a word of prayer. And uh,